and this one was just banging the piano like this. And yeah. Kick drum and it's just yeah. playing them like this. Would you like that? No, no, I oh. just thought that was, I'd never seen any, uh, someone put the stamps up there. And then I'd stand there. Yeah. I've, I've seen stamps. your kitty? She's a rat. Uh-oh. Are you training her right? <laughs> she don't train cats. Cats train you. No, she's like a kitten. Scott. She's she like is. a kitten. Scott. She's how, a how old? Like 13 weeks. Oh, so she's like literally a kitten. See? There she is. Oh, she doesn't look like a brat there. It's like my sister's kitty. Yeah. 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 It's getting big, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Look at that tiny pad. It's only 20 ounces. Are we starting over here right away? We could probably get some supplies out of here for that school bus later. Well, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Back in June, we had a little theme going as some of us were filling in as pastor was off. And I couldn't quite tie it in with my message then, but I think I can today. Both Pam and Jeff had started their messages by sharing that their dad was a butcher. Well, my dad, too, was a butcher. My grandpa taught him, and he's built his career around the business of selling meat. He applied his knowledge in all sorts of different ways. He owned a business for a while. Uh, He worked in a lot of grocery stores, and throughout his career, he's worked in all different parts of that entire supply chain that it takes to get meat into our refrigerators. I'm not a butcher. I'm a geek. I've always been fascinated by computers and technology and how they might enhance different parts of our lives. And being a geek now has grown into this whole category that we call IT, which stands for information technology. Earlier in my work life, I thought it was great that IT was the kind of job that could take me into any area of life. It's needed in almost any company and place. For example, if I wanted to live in Hawaii, they have IT people there. If I wanted to be part of making cool new Marvel movies, well, they have IT people as well. It's one of many professions in most organizations like sales, accounting, customer service, human resources. And then there's all kinds of trades and professions that companies specialize around. There's really a job and a role for every kind of talent and passion you could think of, and even some that you might not think of. 
One Finland hotel hired someone to be a professional sleeper to test out the comfort of their beds. In the UK, one man had a job to literally watch paint dry so he could determine how long each paint mix took to dry out. Netflix hired someone to watch all of their content before it's put out to the public. And they ensure that they've got all the right tags, whether they're action or comedy, so that as Netflix makes those recommendations to us, they're accurate. Probably my favorite, though, is the scuba diving pizza delivery person who delivers pizzas to an underwater hotel in Florida. Every possible talent and passion has a place in contributing to some kind of greater good. There's a lot to unpack about work, but I'm really going to try and focus on applying ideas here in our faith community. And I'll put my congregation president hat on for some of this. You know, there's a great parallel in understanding um, different aspects about time, talent, and money. In stewardship, we would say time, talent, and treasure. And they're all gifts from God. We all have different versions of them. Everyone has different talents. We all have different amounts of time and different amounts of money. There are limits to each of them for all of us. And here's what I mean. We, we can't just do whatever we want for as long as we want. We'll run out of time. Either we'll run out of time today, this week, or in this life. I only have so much talent. I'm not a talented drawer or painter. My stick people aren't even very good. I'm not really talented at math either. I can use a calculator and Excel, and I rely on them to do most, most of my math. And as much fun as I go, want to do and go out and spend money on things, eventually I'll run out of money. So there are limits to all of these. And when it comes to time and talents, sometimes we have this chicken or egg sort of question as a church. You know, should we plan around all the ideas that we have and then come to all of you and ask for help? Or should we ask all of you what talents you have and what time you have available to give us, and then we plan on how to utilize those talents in, in your time available? Well, I want to take a position on this, specifically which came first, the chicken or egg. It occurred to me one day that I couldn't remember, nor could I really find, anything in the creation story about God creating a nest of eggs. It does say God created the beasts of the earth. So I read that to mean God created chickens with the ability to lay eggs. Someday I hope to ask the author and validate whether I'm right. What really trips my trigger, though, is imagine if he says he created both at the same time, some chickens and some eggs. Sorry, folks. Pastor Gary asked me to fill in, and the theology is as bad as the humor this morning. <laughs> the answer to our time and talent question, though, it, it might be kind of like starting out with both chickens and eggs at the same time. Maybe we ought to just be planning what we're called to do, knowing that we'll receive the help and, and all of your time and talents when we need it, while also building an understanding of what everyone's talents are. If I switch to a stewardship hat for a minute, I've been encouraging my fellow stewardship committee members to, to put off a time and talent survey. I, my understanding of previous time and talent surveys was that we very successfully collected all kinds of information on time and talent that everyone has, but putting all that information to use was really difficult. We never quite 
got a good rhythm of, of leveraging all that information we had collected. And up until yesterday, I thought the answer was to just not do another time and talent survey, but rather to really look at everyone's spiritual gifts. And the reason I thought this was that I didn't understand that talents are different than spiritual gifts. Talents are from God, but they are different than spiritual gifts. A big difference is that we are born with talents. We inherit them. Everyone is born with talent, regardless of their faith. And people do one of things with their ta- one of two things with their talent. They either use them or they don't. If we use our talent, we need to be good stewards of how we use them. Just like we should be good stewards of the time and money that's entrusted to us. It matters that we are intentional with them. I've shared in the past about how time is short, and we need to really be intentional with how we spend it. God calls us to be good stewards of the talents and money that he entrusts to us, just like time. The parable from our gospel reading this morning gives an example of, the, of what kind of stewards we need to be. It makes it plain to us that there are consequences um, depending on how we use uh, those resources. I'm going to read it again, but this time uh, from the NASB version. This version uses the word talent instead of money. Now, talent in this version is referring to a sum of money, but I want you to think about your God-given talents as I read through. And I think this parable could apply to either time, talents, or money. And since I'm focusing on talents, I just want to use this translation as a sort of play on words. So even though it's referring to money, think about your talents as I read through. Jesus says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more shall be given, 
and he, ha- he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Based on this parable, what can we expect when we put our talents to use? More will be entrusted to us, and we enter the joy of our master. The opposite end is bleak, as it so often is. And what do we expect if we bury and hide our talents? We will lose what we started with, be called worthless, and thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus tells this parable from the Mount of Olives. He's speaking to his disciples, and it was part of his response when they asked about when Jesus will come back and what signs to look for. And just before that parable, he warned them in verse 13, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour, in reference to when he will return. These things have eternal consequences, either incredibly favorable or tragically disappointing. And there's a sense of urgency. We should use our gifts from God now. Don't wait. We don't know when he's coming back. It it could be any day. And if we wait for the right time to use our talents, we may find that it's too late. God's word is clear that we should be using the talents that we've been given. And many of us have paid jobs in addition to serving our community and church as volunteers. There are a lot of similarities, I think, between the jobs we get paid for and the positions we have when we serve. Both are forms of work. For some, work is a four-letter word. We might even have this image of difficulty when we say things like, ah, it's going to be a lot of work. I want to share a video clip uh, of an interview from Entree Leadership. It's a podcast as part of the Ramsey Network, and their podcast is focused on small business owners and leaders. But in this episode, in this clip, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin is answering a question about why we shouldn't tolerate the daily grind, which is how some people view work. Take a look. And it's something that all of the business leaders listening need to grapple with, and that is the daily grind. And there's a big difference here with short-term goals and long-term goals. But when it comes to work, you view this as two types. There are two types of work, and I want you to explain the Hebrew words behind them, if you would. Sure. Um, But first of all, before we even dive into that... Uh, you have to forgive me, but I need to utterly and unambiguously reject the term the daily grind. You're done with it. We're not doing it. Because if you view your work as a grind, I mean, really, isn't life too short to do things that are a grind? A grind means that it's wearing you down, right? right? It's a negative connotation. In my, in my shop, I have a grinding wheel. Now, there's a limited number of times you can grind the point on a chisel before you don't have a chisel left anymore because grind grinds you down. No, work isn't a grind. It's a privilege and an opportunity. And the key thing is to be able to reshape one's outlook Mm. into into this area. Wow, that's powerful. No, it's it's really very, very important because... uh, uh, You know, let let me share with you four verses quickly, okay? Um, One of them is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it. 
right? And then another one is uh, Exodus chapter 2, chapter 20, verse 9. It's the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is the Sabbath. And uh, six days you must do all your work. Now, you notice I've given you two verses that use the word work. Uh, Now I want to give you two more verses. Um, Chapter 1 in Exodus, God says to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say, Let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. That's a worship. Um, Chapter 24 of of Joshua, the very last chapter in the book of Joshua, uh, verse 15, Joshua's fed up with everybody. He says, You know what? You people can do what you like. As for me and my family, we shall worship the Lord. Mm. Now, see, I've given you two verses of work and two verses of worship. Work is Garden of Eden and Sabbath, six days you must work. And worship is uh, leave Egypt and worship God in the desert. And for me and my family, we'll worship the Lord. Now, I like telling people that everybody needs a rabbi because I I hate unemployment. Oh, that's perfect. And so I humbly submit my candidacy for that job. And what I'm able to share, something that is totally hidden, in the English translation, and that is all four verses use the same Hebrew word, even though the English translated the first two as work and the second two as worship. They're interconnected. Same word, because, and here's the crucial thing, taking care of business is another way of worshiping the Lord. Why? Because here's a way of defining work. Work is pleasing another one of God's children. It might be your boss, might be a customer, might be a client, could be any number of people. But if you're not pleasing another person, you're not working. You see why this isn't a grind. Yeah, it's service. It's service, exactly. And that's why we use the word customer service and worship service. These are very Mm. closely related. There's a lot of great stuff to unpack here about work, but... This idea that our work is a way to worship God, as Rabbi Lappin said, is really important. And most of the time, I think of my job when I talk about work. And that's one type of work I'm called to do. But thinking of work as worship, we're working at our jobs, but also here in our faith community. We're bringing our time, talent, and passions to the different ways that we serve here, just like we do at our jobs. That Hebrew word that Rabbi Lappin mentioned, I looked it up. And building on my chicken or egg theology this morning, I thought I'd do a little Hebrew research. That word is abad. And you can see an image of it here. These are the three Hebrew letters that make up that word. Uh, Starting from right to left, ayin, bet, and dalet. Now ayin means to see, to understand. The picture letter has those upper marks. Those are supposed to be like eyes. One of them represents a good eye looking toward the needy, and it represents helping others. Bait, the middle letter, fun fact, is the first letter of the first word of the Bible. There's a lot of interesting uses behind this letter, but it's kind of the image of a house or a dwelling place that is open on one side. And since we read right to left... Uh, the picture is that we are in this dwelling place looking on to the next. Dalet, then, the leftmost letter, is a needy person bent over and also a symbol of an open tent door 
and it represents in part a choice to open ourselves up to hope versus being closed off or to new ideas. Now, I, I can't put all this together like Pastor Gary does. I have not, as he has, paid a lot of money to study all this. <laughs> but to my layman's understanding, each letter uh, and their meaning seems to really fit well into this idea of service to others as a way to worship God. Interestingly, that first letter, Ayin, can also represent the choices we make. The eyes are looking out toward the world around us and also reveal our inner world or our inner selves. In the Truth Project, Del Tackett devotes an entire session to the topic of work. He points out that God's word starts with God's work, his creation. Rabbi Lapin was just talking of when God put the man Adam into the Garden of Eden to work. And that happened immediately after God breathed life into Adam. God starts our entire existence with work. Del Tackett beautifully calls us God's creative stewards. He describes how God put his divine imprint of creativity on us. We're not just commanded to work and create. It is our privilege to do so. I grew up near the Rocky Mountains in Montana, and I love going back to visit. If you've, if you've never been to the mountains, I'd encourage you to find some opportunity to go. And, of course, the Rockies have a special place in my heart, but the Appalachian Mountains are beautiful as well. There's mountains all over that are great. And when we go, we're able to go right up to the eastern front of the mountains. And we go set up camp, and we can literally look right in front of us. And there we can behold this immenseness and beauty of this creation. There's a picture. If you've ever stood right before a mountain, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then we hike up into the mountains, and we turn and look out, and there's this vastness of the land that stretches out from the mountains. And again, we just take in this immenseness and the beauty of the world we've been placed in. This past summer, Jack and I we went with some scouts on a backpacking trip to Isle Royale National Park. It's, it's a, a lake up in Lake Superior. And from the ridge that travels along it, we were able to look out at the island. And it's actually a series of islands up there. It's largely untouched by humans. But again, it's immense creation all around us. And it's surrounded by this huge Lake Superior. As only he could, God has set the bar for what creating looks like what he did with his six days of work. And that's the divine imprint of creativity he stamped on each of us. This beautiful privilege of creating, of working. The privilege of applying the talents he gave us to glorify his name by serving others. I want to go back for a second to that first Hebrew letter, Ayin, and how it represents us looking at the world around us and then reflecting our inner selves. And one of the points that uh, Del Tackett makes as he works through his truth project and speaks to work and how it funds and, and runs everything. And there's a lot that goes on in our world that is not in line with God's plan for us. That activity comes from the misuse of talents, time, and money. We have a responsibility for how we use what God has given to us. Earlier I was talking about IT and the different ways a person you know, can 
there's all different ways to fit into IT and being a butcher and the different professions and how everything comes together to fulfill the mission of a company or organization. It takes people with different skills, a variety of talents and passions, all coming together for a greater good. A person can make an incredible difference, but we're built for community, and our community is made up of a variety of our unique individuals. In Exodus chapter 35, Moses had just come down from Mount Sinai with two new tablets and instructions to create the tabernacle. And this chapter lays out how God had equipped his people with both the materials and the variety of skills needed in order to build that tabernacle, along with things that were to be placed inside of it. He used the whole community of people with all their different skills and talents to carry out his work. We need people with different experiences, skills, and talents to be involved here at Grace as well. When we tithe 10% of the money we have, we're giving back part of what was first given to us. We're also given time and talents, and we should give part of them back to God as well. There's plenty of energy that we pour into things that are of this world, not necessarily consistent with God's plan, but when we tithe our money, for example, we're, making our, we're putting our faith in God, and we're making Him a priority and we're putting our trust in him to provide us the rest of what we need. When we give back a portion of our time and talents that were also first given to us, we're adjusting our priorities again and putting his kingdom first. We're putting our trust in him so that he will provide us what we need, not just financially, but he'll provide us with the time that we need and the opportunities to use our talents in a way that serves those around us. Proverbs 28.19 says, He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. Stay out of those empty pursuits of this world and make worship your priority. With my congregation president hat back on, I just want to challenge you to do one of two things this week. One, think about your talents and how you can serve others here at Grace. If you're not sure what that looks like, part of this challenge is to think differently about what we do. If it doesn't seem like there's a clear fit for your talent, you probably have a way that we can enhance or grow what we're doing through your unique gifts. Or, if you're like me, sometimes have trouble coming up with what those talents are, just pick something to jump into and help. Allow God to work through that experience to reveal how you fit into it. Even if it might take a couple of tries, but, but persist through that. Keep at it. You might be surprised at the opportunities to serve that you find in unexpected places, and those may help you realize what some of your talents are. I want to end with two verses, 20 and 21, from the last chapter of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13, as Paul was starting to close out his letter. He wrote, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen.